welcome to Mind Matters, an internal Gymshark podcast all about matters of the mind. It is a brand new podcast. And before I introduce our first guest, I'd like to quickly let you know what this podcast is all about. And I'm going to do that in less than 60 seconds. So we want to take a bulldozer to the stigma around mental health. At different points throughout the year, we use periods like Mental Health Awareness Week and Movember to have conversations about our mental health. And they are fantastic, but we don't want to just wait for an awareness day to talk about our minds, how they work and the challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis. So Mind Matters will be a place where colleagues just like you and me can come and have great conversations about our minds and absolutely nothing is off the table. We'll cover thing, everything from anxiety to panic attacks, body dysmorphia to loneliness, self-esteem, confidence, everything in between. So there is a lot of different directions that this podcast can go. And what will make this podcast even better is that you will hear a range of different voices and viewpoints as a result of our guest to host system. This means that the guest from the previous episode will host the next one. The voices are always changing, new conversations are always happening, and hopefully we'll benefit from learning a bit more about each other and recognising that we're not really alone in feeling the way that we do sometimes. So, I think that was less than 60 seconds, but with all being said, <laughs> with all that being said, it's my pleasure to introduce the very first guest and the second host of the Mind Matters podcast, Ben Gray. Hello to you. Hi, George. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ben. What have you come on the podcast to talk about? Um, so for me, I wanted to to come on Mind Matters um, because as I alluded to in the Spotlights on You Week podcast, mm-hmm. um, I'm on my own journey with my mental health. Um, one that I've had a while to come to terms with whilst learning so much about myself and my, man, my mental health in general. Um, I feel like if by talking openly... And removing the mask almost that I have mm-hmm. um, and that I've worn for, for so long, um, if it can spark just one person um, in looking within, um, removing the stigma for them ever so slightly, or opening up to a family mom- member, um, friend, peer, stranger, um, or even privately accessing some spot, su- some support, mm-hmm. um, then it's all worth it. No, I couldn't agree more. I think with whenever we have struggles I think sometimes it's easy to bottle it up and keep it to yourself especially when it comes to something as sensitive and as um, distressing as mental health issues Uh, but you know part of the reason again why we're we're doing this podcast is because conversations like this are so important Um, so I guess you know following on from what you've just said tell me a bit more about your mental health journey and your mental health experiences yeah so I guess for me it's been a long journey. It's been something that, you know, without realising as a child, um, I experienced mm-hmm. different emotions and feelings and mental health struggles. Yeah. Um, but probably wasn't educated um, in the way that I needed to be to deal with them. Whereas throughout my teenage years and youth, probably university being, being the time where I learnt most... Um, I've had to tackle my mental health um, and I guess work on on things yeah yeah as 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 we all do I think you know mental health is is something that you know sometimes you have your good days sometimes you have your bad days or your bad weeks or so on and so forth it's kind of an ever-changing journey that's always evolving you're always trying to learn about how you can how you can manage it I guess but coming back to you specifically, Ben, and the mental health problems that you've alluded to that you've struggled with since you were a child, 
can you go into a bit more detail and tell us about those? Yeah, definitely. So I've always, I was always the big kid. Um, it was, I guess, when my grandma passed away when I was 13 that I turned to, to food more so. Um, the fi- family dynamic changed. Um, I lived with my mum, who was a single parent, who used to look after my grandma. Um, and I guess for me, it was food became the comfort. Mm-hmm. Um and my school years, when I look back at them, um, if I'm honest, I didn't see it at the time, um, but I was heavily bullied. Yeah, I, um, there was a lot of things being said about me. There was a lot of poking and, you know, physical abuse as well. That I guess I didn't, I didn't just, I, I took it for what it was. Yeah. Um, and I think during that period of time, not being educated at all, I probably suffer from depression, anxiety, and I, I guess just a general low mood mm-hmm. um, at that point. Um, and it would have gone on from when I was 13 onwards to, to 16. And, you know, it was only when in year 11 um, I dislocated my hip and I couldn't wait there or walk for three months that I realised how big I was mm-hmm. um, so essentially dislocated my hip from playing rugby but I was a very big kid and my hip slipped out of place um, and I guess I didn't realise how un- unhappy I was I think I was again I wasn't educated in realising my emotions so much at that age do you think that it became it became the norm so you kind of just accepted that that this is what it is and you didn't really think too much of it and think you know what this is I shouldn't be feeling this way I would say so, yeah. Um, I guess from my perspective, it was only at that moment when I couldn't socialise and I couldn't walk or wait there and I was stuck within my house that I had that time to realise who I was and, you know, what I was and you know, looking in the mirror and things like that, it became obvious. Mm. It, um, gave you, it gave you the time that you needed to come to the conclusion that's, that there were problems that you needed to address. I think so. And, you know, there's a lot of other things going on. I was doing my GCSEs, sat in my, my back room and things like that. Um, and I probably didn't see as many friends as I wanted to at the time. And things just, uh, the whole, my life changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, a quite early age, but um, I guess I, it became real. Like, and yeah no I can I completely understand that and I guess um, I don't know if you'd call it a a blessing in disguise to have that happen you know because it kind of brought you to the realisation that something needed to change and you needed to address it um, so would you say that that was the beginning of the time where you were like right I've accepted that I've got an issue I need to figure out how to address this I guess to an extent yeah um, I didn't mm-hmm. so it was only a couple of years later that I actually did address it and dis- decided that it was something that I needed to act upon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was through college and I had a doctor's appointment and they said, you, you've you got to lose weight. At this point, I was 17 and weighing over 26 stone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just someone telling you that you have to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a stranger at that is very different to let's say you, yourself telling you your mum telling you or family members etc 
Um, to make it more real? I guess, yeah. And there was implications, so, you know, health imp- physical health imp- implications. Of course. Um, that were taking place that I needed to to act upon. Um, mm-hmm. And I think only being told that in that, that type of saying, did it, was it drilled home to me? Um, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. So I guess, you know, that's the beginning of your journey then to kind of losing the weight and addressing the impact that it had on your mental uh, mental health. What was the next stage from there? Yeah, so from then um, I moved college and started afresh um, in Stockport um, and I bought myself a treadmill. Um, so there used to be this thing called EMA mm-hmm. that you get like top band £30 a week okay. and I'd saved this up over college. Didn't know what I was doing with it but at this point it just made it made sense mm-hmm. um, and I put it in my back room of my terraced house um, with little thought about the neighbours to be fair um, <laughs> because <laughs> I was banging about on that a lot like over an 18 month period yeah. um, I taught myself to cook healthy calorie track and just the, the general looking after myself um, from a physical point of view mm. um, and over over 18 month period I I did lose quite a lot of weight so I lost 13 stones wow within within that 18 months 13 stone in 18 months that is phenomenal yeah um it's something that at the time probably didn't realize how proud I would be of it now um mm-hmm. and I wasn't I, get, I don't think I was proud at the time but yeah. how did you feel um if you if you were I mean that's that's a lot that's a big change Ben you know for your for your physical health you know hopefully for your mental health as well we can come on to that but you know I mean hell if I if I lost two stone right now mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be over the bloody moon so like yeah. I how if if it wasn't proud how did you feel about you know when you got to that stage I think for me it was a it was a mix of emotions yeah um I felt good about myself but at the same time losing all that weight in such a small period of time came with the ill effects and some negativity um so physically there was excess skin mm-hmm. um that i had to manage and you know it wasn't it wasn't ideal um and i guess from from that point point of view going from 26 stone to 13 stone and still not being how you imagined mm-hmm. and in your mind sort of how you expected to look that was that was difficult to come to terms with yeah because um, it wasn't the the fix all that you thought it might be yeah it it, it wasn't this new beginning mm-hmm. there were still things that I had to consider and think about and were on my mind daily mm-hmm. and things that again when you're 26 stone it's obvious you're, you're a big lad you know people can see that and it whatever comes from it can be explained but when you're experiencing issues with your mental health and you're it's not obvious mm-hmm. it's you know this guy's lost 13 stone he should be over the moon um it it's difficult it's difficult to to talk about it's and i didn't mm-hmm. you know that's when i think that was a key time when my mental health suffered Mm. Um, like I said I was at college but to lose all this weight 
I almost stopped socialising. Um, my main priority was just getting home to to get on the treadmill. Like I turned down invites and uh, to social events and gatherings. You made a lot of sacrifices. Yeah, I, like I shut myself off. Shut myself off from relationships, whether it was with friends, family, you know, any everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really reclused because that was my goal. Like I had this picture, I did this image that I was going to be really happy with myself once I did this. Mm, you were tunnel visioned. Exactly. Mm. Um, and everything sort of switched. I had college that I wanted to do well in, but also had this, this goal. And yeah, I'd say this is when actually my symptoms of anxiety and depression really, really kicked in. Um, and body dysmorphia, because I, <laughs> I had this image, like I said, of, of myself that just wasn't, it wasn't there. Um, and all around you, you can see these perfect bodies. You know, it was a time when social media and Instagram was becoming a thing, mm-hmm. you know, probably not too far off the first Love Island series and things like that. And you see all, you've compared yourself to all these people because you, you almost want to look good. You know, I'm 18, 19. I want to look good. I want to go to university and look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a clothes on perspective, probably did probably look normal. Um, but what I was hiding wasn't the same. Mm. And I mean, like you say, there's so much pressure nowadays. All you have to do is open Instagram and there it is. Bang. You know, this, this person, that person here, there, everywhere. It's, um, it is it is a lot um, for people that you know aren't familiar with with body dysmorphia. Um, the definition from Hopkins Medical is that it is a mental health disorder where you may be so worried about the way your body looks that it interferes with your ability to function normally. Um, and I'm guessing, well, you've already said that it kind of affected you day to day. When you got to university then, how did you deal with it? How did you manage feeling this way about how you looked? By this time, you've, you know, you've lost the weight. Um, You've done really, really well too, but you still don't feel, excuse me, you still don't feel fulfilled. Um, So how, how was that? How was dealing with that throughout university for you? Yeah, university for me, um, I guess, was a mix of pressure and excitement of, starting a new challenge uh, meeting new people yeah learning new stuff um and i guess discovering who i was as well of course um i reclused and now i was going out into the real world as you'd say it's a big um, change definitely and you would think i'd be in a better place but internally and what i was maybe thinking at that time with body dysmorphia um and my journey um I guess mentally I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I became definitely more self-aware of myself because I was comparing and caring a lot more. Mm-hmm. You've got real people who look good at university. You're going out to clubs. You're having a you know you're having a good time. You're socialising a lot, and you you know you yeah. meet a lot of people through your course, and you meet a lot of people through where you live and. You know, societies and everything. It's it's a mixing pot of loads of different people. Exactly, and I was definitely thinking, what 
what were those people thinking about me? Because um, mm, you want to make a good impression on everyone you meet. Exactly. And whether it was physically, you know, whether it was who I was as a person, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot that goes on within, within that. Um, and also about my body and what I look like and whether anyone could notice because like I said at this stage I had a I had a flap of like an apron I would call it of skin hanging off my stomach Mm -hmm. Um, and I was you know I was having to hide that I was having to tuck it into my pants you were always conscious of it always like Mm. and it wasn't it was horrible like to deal with and no one knew about it like it wasn't something I would talk about of course it wasn't Um, and it would stop me from when I was out, maybe exploring what you would do at university, you know, and meeting girls and things like that, that was that was something that I just didn't didn't do, and that was the the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really really conscious at this time actually around sweating in public as well, um, and I think that was probably anxiety drawn from what people were thinking of me, and you know, could could they see etc mm-hmm. but i i would literally no matter whether it was cold warm but the, what the weather was like i would notice a bead of sweat or something and that would be the end of my world for that day i would i would sweat buckets like it just wouldn't stop mm-hmm. and i think i i didn't know what what was happening i didn't know what that reaction was mm-hmm. i do now you know, I was having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was feeling that bead of sweat and my body was going into flight mode. Mm. And I wanted to get out of wherever I was. I'd get off buses. Um, I would walk home. And I mean, we're talking walking home from Manchester City Centre to Stockport. So a good eight miles Jeez. instead of being around people. Yeah. Um, and you know for in a university for a long time before lectures and before any you know i guess going in um i'd get there an hour early to go into the toilets and sweat mm-hmm. <laughs> and i know that sounds stupid but i'd have the panic attack i knew it was coming um so you planned accordingly yeah or i'd, or I'd already had it on on the way and i'd change my t-shirt clothes etc um I had to prepare for this moment and there was times where I had panic attacks in lecture theatres and I was sat in the middle of the row and I was like I can't get out I can't do anything but I'm pouring like and there's no physical reason for this like if I was if I had all my weight he's a big lad he's sweating he's hot you know it's obvious but when I'm don't when I don't have that when I don't have almost that excuse mm. you know I can't explain what's happening to me um, I'm not breathing you know I'm not I'm not able to to cope, but I don't have any way out of of this situation. And um, feels a bit like a mental prison. Yeah, yeah. And actually, one of the coping mechanisms at the time, which isn't a coping mechanism, but I drank. So on night before nights out and things like that, I drink. You know, a few spirits or something like that to get my body ready because I, my mind wouldn't think in that way. So is it, just to be clear, are you saying that you'd pre pre drink yeah 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 so i felt it gave me more freedom because my mind wouldn't switch to shit i'm sweating mm. i'm gonna like this is gonna be bad mm. and i'm gonna go into this panic attack it sort of 
stop to that mm. and not saying it was the right way at all but at the time it felt like the best way yeah um i drank before exams because i knew it'd stop panic attacks um there was one period in my in my sort of final year actually that i i did have a panic attack and it made me drink before a, another one of my exams mm-hmm. because i was like i can't go through that again like i'm dripping onto the paper mm. like it's it's so weird um but that was sort of the mental health issue from a physical point of view just to go back slightly i did in the in between first year and second year um go privately and have the excess skin removed from my stomach mm-hmm. so i had a tummy tuck and used my student loan to to do that and from working because i knew how much it was how much how much of an effect it was having on me at the time yeah and it was sort of an easy fix it's not an easy fix but it felt like it was yeah um and it felt like that again was going to change my life like i've not got this excess skin hanging from my stomach you know my life's going to be better and it didn't quite do that <laughs> so i mean it sounds like university was really really difficult then over the over the years that you were there um and you know having been to university myself i know that it is a time where you can be like very self-conscious and like i say you're meeting loads of new people you're trying to make good impressions on the people around you your peers uh, lecturers whoever else um and when you're that self-conscious it does put everything that you know all your insecurities kind of come out to come out to play and you know they kind of play on your mind as it sounds like they did for you as well um moving moving forward from that then you've kind of you mentioned that you know you kind of discovered some unhealthy coping mechanisms in drinking and you know you you had a tummy tuck and that didn't have the impact on your mental health that you thought that it would going forward then after university i mean how old are you now ben I'm 27 now. You're 27 yeah. now. So a lot of time has passed between now and then. Yeah. Over over that time, what would you say, how how has that journey changed? How have you kind of evolved and and found the coping mechanisms that have been really healthy and, and helped you to manage the stuff that you've been dealing with? Yeah, so I came out of university and things still weren't good. Um, so I like was still, I still suffering from anxiety and mm-hmm. still had body dysmorphia, probably low mood and depression at this time as well. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for my mum, actually at this point, um, I, I don't think I would have gone on the journey that I have. Um, she, she finally noticed it. I, I don't know what it, what it was, whether there was something that she, you know, really pulled, pulled upon or whether it was something that she just didn't want to say to me um, mm-hmm. and found it difficult to introduce to me. But um, she mentioned that she'd seen a change in me and I don't know what happened in that moment, but I opened up. I just opened up and... You let it maybe, all out. Yeah, and maybe it was because someone had realised, someone close to me had realised, I it just came pouring out and I... I don't don't know whether I would have ever done that um, if it wasn't for her saying something. Like she's the most incredible woman. Like honestly, fantastic. Like she's she's beautiful. I like she she supported me all through like my school years of being bullied. You know my college years of losing weight. She was 
she was the driving force. She let me do what I wanted to do and gave, empowered me almost yeah. on the on that journey. And yeah, I I don't know whether if if she hadn't have said something that day and opened up and I'd opened up um, whether I would actually be here today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her sort of yeah her spotting the signs and making that opening where I was I was able to to release um and from then she held my hand um we booked a doctor's appointment together and um she supported me in opening up to a stranger which I could never have imagined doing mm-hmm. um and getting help at the time with what I now know is is called general anxiety disorder mm-hmm. um and I've been sat in that same room previously, a year before, privately, um, and been given antidepressants um, to support. But I was ill-informed, I wasn't educated, and I just threw them in the bin at that point. Mm-hmm. But this time around, because I had that support and because I'd talked openly, I felt like there was there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think this was this was the time when I started learning more about more than ever about my mental health, um, you know, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, that I'd, I'd had body dysmorphia. I probably didn't realise that I had it when I had it, but learned that that was something that I'd suffered from. And I guess learning more about the just symptoms in general and mental health in general. Mm. Well, I think it's such an important point, and I've said it to a lot of people, um, and it's simple, but talking is important. You know, you need, you Massive. got it. You got to talk. You got to talk, and that's coming from someone as well who you know I can bottle things up. You know, but I've had to learn over the years to to talk. You know, yeah. it's as simple as that. Because sometimes that is all it takes. Someone to say, you know, are you okay, Ben? No, no, no. Seriously, are you all right, mate? And then you know you feel like you can actually say, you know what. I'm not going to just tell you that I'm okay. I'm not just going to, you know, give you the, you know, the blanket response that I give everybody because I don't really feel like I can talk about it. So I'm really, really glad to hear that your mom kind of got you to open up. Um, I mean, moms are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds like your mom's very, very special. Um, so things are starting to get better then. And, you know, you've, you've gone in, you've talked about it with, with your mom, with a complete stranger as well. What happened next? Um, so at that stage, it it still took a lot of persuasion um, <laughs> and a, a lift to the hospital. But I I did from that moment access, I think it was 10 sessions of CBT. So that's cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, and it's almost like a, what well, you could explain it as a, as a talking therapy. So you sit one-to-one with um, a trained and skilled professional. And they, I guess they encourage you to, to open up and then, look at ways to change the way you think or behave mm-hmm. um, and this was through the NHS and actually it was in so valuable at that time um, I, the anxiety had stopped me from going into into work from university um, job interviews were a complete no like I can't imagine how much body fluid I'd lose <laughs> through sweating a job interview it's, but, already, yeah. a, it's already a pressure cooker isn't yeah it? <laughs> honestly I, I'm, I was not putting myself through that and I think at any time I did like yeah God 
God forbid what the the interviewer was actually thinking. Um, but yeah, speaking to to a professional and a stranger about my thoughts, my feelings, my physical sensations, and and I guess the actions that I was taking mm-hmm. um, and that I'd experienced in the in the past, um, I guess really helped me to learn in those ten over those ten sessions, learn and understand more about my mental health um, and also gave me coping mechanisms at the time mm-hmm. that were things that I could take away and work on so there were things like four I think it's four seven eight breathing and forgive me if that's wrong but sort of like that just breathing techniques and taking a moment to actually take a breath mm-hmm. um, learning more about sort of what happens to the body in that fight or flight moment um, which is heavily related to anxiety um, and when that kicks in and then sort of breaking down those overwhelming problems mm-hmm. um, into smaller chunks and yeah I found it incredibly helpful it was a shame that it was only 10 sessions in the end because I think it probably ended too abruptly um, and I'd love to say that I would I could have a therapist you know non-stop um, and always be always have CBT but um, yeah it was that was definitely a a really big stepping stone um, into just learning and educating myself more and just understanding myself more. Hey, that's important. Yeah. Un- understanding and acceptance are, you know, they're, they're, when, when, you've, when you first, like, start having, like, mental health um, issues, and I can only speak from my perspective, you know, I think you just don't accept it. It's just like, you know, you kind of fight it a little bit and that kind of makes it, can make it worse. Um, depending on what you do. Yeah, I agree. I think if you don't understand it and you're not educated and you, you don't know what's happening, the natural instinct is to fight whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you don't want to feel in any way. Of course. Um, negative. Like, it's your your instant reaction is to, how can I change this feeling to positive? Um, what's going on? etc. And mm-hmm. actually, that's, that's something that, you know, is it's hard to manage yeah um and I, from my point of view after cbt i was a, i was invigorated i was like i went looking for more external sources what more can i do because you know i had these coping mechanisms but i wanted to learn more about the whole situation and how to better my mental health or how to better manage my mental health mm-hmm. and i started reading books on mental health on mindset um just the mind in general and behavioral economics mm-hmm. um and yeah there's some books that really really helped me and i'll name them on here like the chin paradox by steve peters um feel the fear and do it anyway by susan jeffers um the power of no- now the power of now by eckhart tolle um atomic habits by james clear thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman and grit by angela duckworth and those six books like I, I must have read them over Atomic, Atomic Habits more recently, but at the time, um, read them over sort of a six-month period. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they just, they really elevated the way I, or, or the emphasis and the priority I put on my mental health. Um, and also gave me coping mechanisms, a bit of resilience um, to the whole situation, you know, and like I said the CBT was a starting point it was from there onwards that I needed to 
do something myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the books that you referenced there, I've, I've heard of a few of them and some of them are fantastic reads and we'll put all of them in the show notes for the episode as well if you want to go and check them out. Ben obviously highly recommends them and I'd go along with that as well. Um, no, that, that's, that's fantastic to hear that that all had such a positive impact from the CBT to the external research and, and digging that you did to understand yourself more and understand how your mind works more. Um, let's fast forward to today. Yeah. You're at Gymshark, of course, while you're on this podcast. And, you know, you're armed with all this knowledge and armed with all this, you know, this previous experience, which hopefully helps you manage things better today. Um, when it comes to, you know, how you're feeling today, like, how how are you? Like, genuinely, genuinely, how are you? Um, difficult question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think... Where are you, are you in your journey now is essentially what, what I'm asking. I'm still learning and still having to manage my mental health. Um, I think we always are, aren't we? Yeah, and it's something, like I said, I, I, I know it's it's so, so important for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think hopefully people can resonate with this, but it's something that everyone has. Um, and I now understand that I will experience peaks and troughs. Um, but... I have a a mix of coping mechanisms that I've managed to build over the last few years that and that I can I, I can almost put together and use. But also there is support out there, and I'm now aware of that support. Um, I guess for example, 2016, my mum. <laughs> this was actually just after university as well, but she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, She's been cancer-free for, for over five years now. So. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, um, but this really knocked me. Um, of course. And I needed coping mechanisms at that time to, to I guess, support her effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wasn't supporting myself, how could I support my mum? Makes sense. Um, and I knew I needed to take certain steps at this stage, and that, I guess that was through the education of CBT and books, etc. Um, and I actually went back to the doctors and for the first time requested antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, I was put on an uh, antidepressant called Cytalopram. Um, that, if I'm honest, it didn't work straight away. You know, it's not something that you will get this happy feeling, like it's, like, immediately. Um, it was probably after around, sort of, six to eight weeks of taking it that I started to feel some benefits. Um, and proceeded probably to take this for about five to six months before... I felt with the GP's advice that it was right for me to stop. Um, and I guess since since then, it's it's never been plain sailing. And mm. um, I've experienced, experienced highs and lows. Um, of course. And throughout the journey, like I said, I've had to sort of lean on coping mechanisms that have worked for me, some more than others, um, and learn that I can escalate to some coping mechanisms when I when I need to, um, probably turn to a few at a time. Um, You've always got stuff to fall back on. Exactly. So you know, I, I guess at the moment I've got a, a stream of consci- consciousness journal um, where I'll just literally write down anything and everything that comes to my mind. I'll take some time away. It's not every day, but I'll take some time away, and it will. Whether it's a swear word, whether it's anger, whether, uh, just write it down, um, and that's something that that helps me personally. Um, I found a, so much comfort 
in going to the gym and running um something that you know is i find really really important to my mental health is my physical health mm-hmm. um you know the gym i can balance in a routine i get a lot from being in a routine personally um and if i don't do it if i don't go to the gym or if i'm not running or if i'm not exercising um it really does affect my mood and that's something i have noticed let's say if i haven't exercised in a week there's definitely a difference mm-hmm. um in who i am and how i react to things um and just my mood in general and yeah the the gym's such a, a positive place to be and the lc is like incredible we all you know if if we've been there then Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, no, that all that all that all is so, so, so important. I couldn't agree more when it comes to, you know, making sure that you look after your physical health and that does contribute to your mental as well. Yeah. Um is there anything else that you wanna you wanna say before we wrap up here? I would say that there isn't there isn't one coping mechanism that is guaranteed to work for everyone. Yeah. It's definitely more personal than that, but there's endless of coping, endless coping mechanisms out there, um, and support available. Um, just from my own personal experience, I've found those coping mechanisms to, to some well, some coping mechanisms to be helpful. Um, bringing it to like present day, I am currently on, or currently using a antidepressant called sertraline. Um, and it's something that I had about a year ago had a lot of work stress the whole pandemic and etc and again went to the GP escalated to that and to present day still taking it mm-hmm. um, and I guess it's just for people to to have those coping mechanisms and to, to support in managing their, their mental health um, mental health is something everyone has it is a journey it's it's a continuum almost that requires management, um, time and attention. Um, and for me, I just hope that talking openly on this podcast, I hope that what I've done will help others talk openly because I think we alluded to it, but talking is so, so important. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. But if if you can find that that opening that that window to to talk whether it's yourself talking about your mental health to somebody who can support who or who will listen or whether you are the person listening um i just think it's so so important and off the back of this if you know anyone looks to go and educate themselves um, and learn more about their mental health and other people's mental health that that would be I guess that's it. No, um, I think everything that you've just said there is is absolutely spot on. I think talking is, um, like you say, it's not easy, but I always say to my friends, like, look, it doesn't matter if you talk to me, but talk to somebody. If you're struggling, yep. A, I just want you to be okay. So whether you're talking to a therapist, whether you're talking to your parents, a friend, a sibling, talk to somebody. So that's, uh, I think it's a, it's a really good message. And I just want to, you know, go back to what you said about, you know, um, being in the gym and everything. That's one of the first times we met. Yeah. We were, 
well, I was hitting the boxing uh, heavy bags very lightly yeah. and then you came in and hit them very heavily and I thought, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh my God, this guy's a beast. Uh, but uh, yeah, like... Uh, I kind of I kind of remember talking to you then a little bit about it and you said it was good for you and it was good for your mental and it's is it was since then um you know it's we've bumped into each other a few times across the office and it is really really great to to see you doing what you need to do managing your mental health talking about it openly and I just want to say a big thank you to you for coming on the podcast and talking about it so candidly and with such you know little restraint and just being so open and honest. And I think a lot, hopefully a lot of people it will resonate with as well. So thank you so much, Ben. No, thank you. I mean, fingers crossed it does. Um, sort of removing that mask, it wasn't something that comes naturally to me. Um, mm -hmm. And if you see me across the office, you wouldn't you wouldn't know all of this. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt like it was really, really important. Again, as part of the, the Gymshark Healthy Minds team, but also um, just generally like so important to come on to talk and I just want to yeah say a big thank you to you for for setting this up um just great work mate like honestly my pleasure and first of many hopefully to everyone listening everything that Ben said about the books and the resources that have helped him along his journey I'll put them all in the show notes along with details of the services provided by Gymshark as well don't forget we have our business coaches we've got our mental health first aiders the unmind app through Booper you can access our EAP which is our employee assistance program GPs, therapy, counselling, CBT, etc. So please do check it out. And again, to echo what Ben said one more time, if you do need to talk to somebody, please, please, please do. If you'd like to come onto the podcast and talk about your mental health, be that yours or more generally, please drop me a note on Slack and we'll make it happen. Remember, this is a place for open conversations and I really hope that through this podcast we can break down and eliminate the negative stigma that is attached to mental health and talk about it more freely. Finally, if you have any feedback, please don't hesitate to let me know on Slack or email comms at gymshot.com. Thanks again to Ben. Thanks to you for listening. I've been George Bushell and I hope you have a fantastic day. Bye for now.